and I will continue to say murdered because we're in this planet. Do you tell the truth and you be honest and you still be murdered by the police of Minnesota while you have your seatbelt on and you're in a company with a woman and a child? My son would never jeopardize anyone else's life by trying to pull a gun on an officer and the gun was not fire ready. These are some of the facts that came out in the trial and I am so very, 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 very disappointed in the system here in the state of Minnesota because nowhere in the world do you die from being honest and telling the truth. The system continues to fail black people and they will continue to fail you all. Like I said, because this happened with Orlando, when they get done with us, they coming from you, for you, for you and all your interracial children. Y'all are next and you'll be standing up here fighting for justice just as well as I am. I am so disappointed in the state of Minnesota. My son loved this state. He had one tattoo on his body and it was of the Twin Cities, the state of Minnesota with TC on it. My son loved this city and this city killed my son and the murderer gets away. People have died for us to have these rights and now we're devolving. We're going back down to 1969. Damn! What is it going to take? I'm mad as hell right now. Yes, I am. My first born one son died here in Minnesota. tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcasts. We're in Season 2, Episode 13. I'm your co-host, Key. And I'm your co-host, Pierre. And after that powerful clip, I think we should just get right into it. Yeah, that clip was made by um, Valerie Castile. She made a very powerful and emotional statement after the verdict. Just give you some backstory as to what happened. So on July 6, 2016, Philando Castile was pulled over, routine traffic stop, by Officer Geronimo Yanez. And during the traffic stop, his girlfriend was driving and his daughter, who was four years old, was in the backseat of the car. The officer believed, and I have air quotes, that Philando matched the description of a suspect in a nearby armed robbery from a few days earlier. He radioed a colleague stating Philando's wide-set nose seemed to match a surveillance video from that case, that his car, and even though his car had a broken taillight. <clears throat> When Yanis pulled over Mr. Castile, there was no mentioning of the robbery. John Choi, um, Mr. Choi, the Ramsey attor- County attorney, stated that Mr. Castile was not a suspect in the armed robbery case. And Mr. Castile was pulled over dozens of times before. So he was kind of used to the whole routine stop. So with that being said... Mr. Castile was reaching for his wallet that contained his driver's license and permit to carry a pistol when he informed the officer, Sir, I have to tell you that I do have a firearm on me. Officer Yanez informed him not to pull it out 
And at the same time, Castillo and his girlfriend assured him that he would not pull out the firearm. But unfortunately, within 62 seconds of this routine traffic stop, Officer Yanez fired several rounds, fatally wounding Mr. Castillo. Mr. Castillo's last words were, I wasn't reaching for it. And during this entire encounter, Mrs. Cat, sorry, Mr. Castillo's girlfriend was driving the car and was able to record the entire incident via Facebook Live. And that video went viral shortly afterwards. Officer Yanez stated he feared for his life and he believed Mr. Castillo was trying to grab the gun. To be honest, I'm just getting goosebumps and I'm just like really sick to my stomach because it just feels like it's always the same story. It's just a different officer, maybe a different city, and just insert random black male. And it, it's just crazy that this just happens on such a regular basis. Um, why does it seem to, to me that the common thread was I was in fear of my life? Like, how can you be afraid of someone when the their gun is out of you if there's a gun there at all or, or whatever weapon? Um, and to me, I just feel like the only, the only common thread amongst all of these incidents was the skin of the, the male. And it seems like that black skin is the weapon that these officers are fearing so much and causing these incidents to happen. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's a common thread. It's like they copied and pasted for all these cases. I was in fear of my life. So as a result, I have to like not only overreact, of course, but to apply excessive force. And, you know, prior to, um, Philando Castillo was used to routine stops. So he was used to the procedure and taking off a seatbelt and informing the officer of that. And being that you did speak about that in our previous episode, that you have been pulled over before, and can you speak to that, like, in regards to his situation? Like, I guess I'm going to flip the script a little bit. We always make that conversation piece like he should have, could have, would have done this differently. We talk, we feed into respectability, respectability politics about what we should have done. And I, I, to me, it's like, I don't know how much you could flip this in how many different kind of ways. Because he did everything right, at least what we're told by police officers in the news, if they're being interviewed, this is what you do when a cop pull you over. As a black man, how how would you have done that even differently? Like, could you even possibly fathom the thought of you doing that differently? To be honest, if I was in that situation, I would tell the officer, like, listen, I've seen too many cases like this where someone's getting shot. Officer, can you take me out of the car? You can handcuff me, grab the license yourself, do whatever you need to do. I don't want any ambiguity in this situation because you are sitting in the car with your seatbelt and with a gun facing you. Realistically, like it just seems stupid to try to reach for a gun out of your pocket or wherever it is to try to shoot at someone who already has a weapon in front of you. So I think the easiest, safest thing to do, and this is this is just me, speaking in hindsight which is mm -hmm. 2020 but like listen just take me out the car call back up my hands are out the window handcuff me from here i am not a threat to you there's no reason for that gun to be out and just put me in a position where you feel comfortable to not have it out that that's just the only thing that would make sense in my mind but again that's 
2020. And I mean, you could have done that. And he could have done that. And he still probably would have still got shot. Because then it would have been another reason. Like, oh, he put his arm up and tried to come out the car or told me to take him out the car. And in that, in the context of that conversation and body movement, I felt threatened. The point that I'm trying to make is it don't matter what we do or how we do it, even if we do it right. And as you hear in this clip by his mom, you still die. So it's like, what is the real issue going on here? And I think to kind of bring it back, how are you going to be in fear of your life about him having his gun in his pocket and you have your gun in his face? What can he do knowing that your gun is in his face? It's so much body movements he can make. So when Yanez used that as a defense in his case, it's like, really? Like, you felt in fear because you thought he was going to do what? You had all the power and control in that one incident. And you could have handled it much better than that. And I guess my thing is, the next follow-up is, where does this fear come from? In the sense of you being, what were you afraid of? Were you scared that he told you he had a gun? And you know that there's a potential chance that he has it on him? But the fact that he can use it because he's in a state where they can carry guns and he had a right to carry because he had his license. Why would you feel the need to be in fear? It's always this, this factor of I'm in fear. I'm in fear. What are you in fear of? If he's doing what he's supposed to do as a citizen and he tell you, listen, I have my gun, I have my license on me, but I'm going to take out my wife. Why would you feel in that instance? I don't even understand why you have your gun pointing in his face and you asking him questions. Yeah. Like, that to me already intensifies the situation. Because it's like, all right, so your gun is in my face. You expect me to answer you and do what you want me to do. And this situation is not even normal right now. Yeah. Like, who pulls over somebody and just put a gun in their face? And then you made an assumption as to who he was because of a previous robbery. But then at the same time, you wouldn't even talk about that when you pull up to the car. So what was the point of you pulling over? His nose was that big. You just had to make the assumption that he was similar to a previous dude. Because we all look alike. We already know what time it is. We all got that Michael Jackson nose. Right? Before the surgery. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just, I, 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 was, I, just, I just pictured the after the surgery for a second. I'm just like, come on. Like, at what point do you say, okay, this is not rational? You know, like, it's not an okay situation. Especially how it has spiraled out of control. And also, when the paramedics found the weapon, it was actually a .40 caliber semi-automatic handgun. And there were reports going back and forth saying that there were no rounds in the um, chamber of it. So his gun wasn't loaded. So that also defeats the purpose of you even pulling out a gun on him, assuming that he's going to use it. To be honest, I think this is, it's simple. When you ask, like going back to your question about what was he scared of, I think it goes back to what I said earlier. He was scared of his dark skin. That's just what it is. That dark pigment is considered deadly and a weapon and violent, whatever the case may be. So and if he was light-skinned, like Chris Brown complexion, he wouldn't have shot him? That's what you're telling me? Oh, uh, he definitely would be less threatening, but... And this I'm is just, true. Colorism just, plays a part in it. No, you got you making a point. Go ahead. And just speaking candidly, I actually, like, I have to constantly remind myself as well, like, you, not to judge someone just solely off their look without knowing anything about them. Yeah. I think in general, our nature as humans, we automatically try to come up with a story about who someone is just from looking at them. And that skin color is the first thing that you're going to see. So I personally, if I'm growing up in Canarsie, Brooklyn, I would be walking home from the park like nine, ten o'clock at night. It would be dark. If I saw like three or four 
black kids walking towards me, I definitely had my guards up just in case something was going to happen. But if I had seen three or four white kids, I wouldn't have felt any type of way. And I think that just comes back to just the narrative that's told about black people, whether it's being thugs, gangsters, violent, super predators, a la Hillary Clinton, like all these different narratives that is in the media and portrayed just in entertainment just builds on that stereotype that we have about well, when you, people of color. But at the same time, on the flip end of it, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's how some people perceive um, black people. I don't know. It's a stereotype, but I feel like it lives on because you feed into it. If I see a group of kids or black kids, I'm not in fear and I don't, my guard is not up. When I went away to school in Syracuse, and it was a predominantly white town. My guard was up when I just went around a group of white people. I just did not, especially at nighttime. I used to jog at night. I just felt better jogging at night. But I was like, oh, no, not out in these streets. Because I didn't feel safe out there. And I didn't feel safe when I was living in Indiana. I did not feel, I did not feel safe when I lived out there. So to me, if I see a group of black people, I'm more... I'm good. I'm like, that's my people. You you try me. Try me on a good day. <laughs> you know? But I feel more secured than I would if it was a group of white people walking to it. I'm going to be quite honest with you. I don't feed into the stereotype that mm-hmm. we are a problem before we are a person. The media portrays that and put it out there. And as you can see, they're doing a really good job at it and people are feeding into it. Because look at this police officer. You know? But I, I want to tie it back to your point about dark skin men. I think that's a very valid point. Because when you Look at all the dark-skinned guys who have died in the, in the hands of police brutality. I feel as if, or I feel like there could be a valid point made that a good percentage of them are dark-skinned. Alton Sterling, Molly Graham, Walter Scott. I mean, the list goes on. You don't even got to stop there. It could go further. So, Freddie Gray. All of them was kind of the same millennium. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? So, the colorism factor, I do think, plays a part in it. I do think it ties it back to what you're saying. If Philando Castillo was light-skinned, like light skin, you know what I'm saying? Maybe things would have been different. Maybe. But I don't know how much more differently it would have been because he would have still been perceived as a black man yeah. with a gun. No, definitely. So I think that even, that heightens it. Even though he light-skinned, it's like it was a substitute. Yeah. You ain't dark-skinned, but you got a gun. Like, with that, um, I remember I learned in history class during slavery... If you were even one eighth black, they would call you an octoroon. Like once you have any black genes in yeah. you, you're black. There's no, I'm a quarter black. No, mm-hmm. you're black. And just in my opinion, it's like once you have any black genes in you, you're the lighter you are. It's just you're a little bit less threatening. But as you get darker, it's you're perceived more as a threat. And that's just, that's just my opinion. No, it's the reality. The lighter you are, to some extent, I mean, and we kind of go back and forth on this too, but, I mean, because there was a light skin versus dark skin documentary, all females, and um, very interesting. But the lighter you are, there's some level of privilege there that yeah. dark skin people don't have. Yeah. And that's, the, that's one of the issues within our community is that as a light skin black person you may not see yourself as having privilege but you do kind of get a pass as if a, a person that's of darker color may not be afforded the same granted we're still dealing with different levels of oppression 
but it may be slightly different because of colorism. Yeah. I don't know if it would have been different if he was light-skinned. And, you know, I really do think about it further. As you mentioned it, like, you know, it's being that melanin and that how it puts you in danger. Like, you're like this species that just needs to be extinct type thing. Um, I just think it's really unfortunate that this is what it comes down to and the way he died in front of his daughter and in front of his girlfriend and the fact that she was like, really calm and I'm, I'm gonna be really honest last year when this video came out i didn't watch it i was like i'm not watching it i heard about it I like i'm not watching it and there was one it was on facebook because you know facebook live it just goes and i was like trying to like swipe quickly so I, and as soon as i did it, that's when i seen him and i was like damn like that's how quickly he shot him like it was no as soon as i try to swipe it up just so i won't see it he shot him and and i was like i cannot believe it like and then, of course, I seen it, and I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like, yeah. I just cannot even... And the fact that she was, like, so calm during that, and then it was a, a daughter was in the back seat, and then you see him dying. Like, you see his eyes rolling, and as you said, as he was saying his last words, which is kind of similar to Aragona, I can't breathe. Like, it's just like, wow, like, really? This was going on right now? So when I seen it, I was just like, and I did not want to see the video. And it really did mess me up after I seen it, just to kind of witness how he died. But it was just like, this is what it has come down to in 2016. And it's it wasn't the only isolated incident. Yeah. So I do think that was problematic. But to kind of bring it back, the officer was charged with second-degree manslaughter. If he was found guilty, he would have served up to 10 years in prison, fined 20000 on a manslaughter charge, and five years and fine $5,000 on each of the other charges. Now, that sounds like, you know, he deserved to be guilty. Just one thing else I want to add before we move on. Um, outside of, like, the colorism we were just discussing, like, how dark the skin is and how that affects those interactions, I definitely think your stature makes, like, counts for something as well. Me, I'm not tall. I'm about 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, if that <laughs> on a good day <laughs> shout out to the Timbs <laughs> um, but I had a friend who actually said it to me one day because I was me and him were out partying I approached some girl I was talking to her she was white we exchanged contact information and he said to me like yo you know the only reason you got her number is because you're, you're a midget and I'm like what are you talking about he was like you're short so you're not threatening I'm already a big hefty dude Plus, I'm dark and I'm much taller than you. So when I walk up to a girl who's not black, they're instantly more on guard. And I have to work to kind of put that at ease that, hey, I'm not threatening. I get it. I'm dark skinned, but my skin doesn't mean that I'm a threat. And I just need to perceive that, make you perceive that. So I don't know. I just That kind of just came to my mind after we were what we were just discussing. So I wanted to share that. I think that's valid. I think also it applies to the Alton Sterling case. That was kind of what the defense they was using. He was like tall, big black dude. So I do think height works into it as well as melanin. But also we're going to um, switch gears and talk about the verdict. So on June 16th, which was past Friday, Officer Yanez was found not guilty of second degree manslaughter. He was acquitted of two accounts of in, um, intentional discharge of firearm that endangered safety. The jury was composed of eight men and four women, including one black man and one black woman. The jurors 
deliberated for 27 hours and heard two weeks of testimony about the traffic stop. In the end, Yanez was removed from the police force, but the city plans to offer Yanez a voluntary separation agreement to help him transition. So what are your thoughts on the verdict, Key? Were you surprised by it at all? I wasn't surprised because um, it's kind of routine at this point. I'm numb to it, and I hate being numb to it because it we shouldn't be numb to this situation. We shouldn't be like, okay, it happens. But I'm really not surprised by it. Um, I guess I'm surprised that there was a black woman and a black man on a jury, and I was <laughs> expecting somebody to say, listen, we got to get it together. But I don't know what's going on when they, where the, when they were deliberating. I don't know if... The remaining jurors had a huge influence on their decision. I hope they're going to sleep better at night knowing that, if that's even in fact true. But I'm not surprised by it. I just think that we're at a point now where this is just like, this is what's happening. You know, black men and women are being experiencing police brutality at higher risk than their white counterparts and dying as a result of it. And there's not a lot of changes being made. Reform's supposed to be put into place. I don't know when that's going to happen. Um, these cops are not being held accountable. Like, God forbid they get locked up. God forbid they get convicted. Um, and the only reason, the only one incident I can recall they being convicted is Walter Scott. And the only reason why that happened was because there's a video of him planting the gun next to his body. And so if that dude was not walking to work one day and decided to record what happened, he would have got off free. And this is the problem. Like, even if you have video footage, you're not held liable. And this incident is just... It's very disheartening to me, and it pisses me off, you know, that his his mom had to experience losing her child. And her she spoke about that in a statement in her clip. She was like, I'm mad as hell, and she has every right to be mad. I'm sick and tired of when these incidents happen. Oh, we need to pray and forget. No, no, no. We could pray all day, but we need to have a place where we can mourn and we could grieve and we could be mad. And she has every right to be upset. So I think it's it's bothersome because she lost her son. You know, his girlfriend lost her, her boyfriend, potentially her fiance, and her daughter had to witness that, that he died in front of her. So he done messed up a whole entire family right there, psychologically. You know what I'm saying? Which is the aftermath of the incident. I'm not surprised. I'm really not surprised. And I'm upset that I'm not surprised. How about you? <clears throat> I'd be surprised if if the verdict came out anything else. <laughs> We, that's just where we're at at this point. It just seems like, like you said, you literally have to have evidence of someone planting a gun to just, for that guilty verdict to be made. And it fucking sucks. It's literally just ridiculous at this point. And yeah, not surprised at all. Um, When you say like reform, I don't even... I really don't even know what could be done at this point. Like, what can we do to make these incidents go about differently? Because I know for me personally, growing up, my parents would talk to us about if we get pulled over or if an officer asks us anything, always respect the officer, don't talk back. Like, literally, that was part of, like, don't do drugs I don't want you having sex. Respect the officers when you talk to. It was just like it was just a normal part of like what we were taught growing up and I've been in situations where 
I've seen my friends pulled over by officer, being respectful, not arguing, but just the way the officers were communicating with them were just like, like they had beef with them before even meeting them. So I'm just like, and again, this is not every situation. Not every officer is going to handle a situation like that. And I genuinely believe for the most part, the police force is made up of people who want to do a good job, never plan on shooting someone, but there are just some people within that organization who make it, who kind of shift our thoughts on the entire organization. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's just my personal belief, but I really don't know what can be done. I think so in that- terms of like reforms, like the burden, like the burden is so high in terms of these court cases and to prove that, you know, that he intentionally caused manslaughter. Like, that's the problem that we need to discuss. And I think when I had attended protests before, it's a matter of how the law is being constructed and the legalese that's utilized in the law. Like, you know, I, I don't mention this before, but prior to, I did attend law school. And, you know, the, the law is very important, and especially how the words are being used and manipulated in these cases can affect the aftermath and outcome of these cases. And I think what we need to do is restructure the law as to why is the burden so high in terms of you proving that an officer had intent of killing someone else. And that is the problem. And we need to kind of restructure that because if, and I truly believe if we restructure the law in a sense where the burden is not so high, then, and then you have police officers who are actually held accountable, like that one or two or several of them that's actually held accountable and actually doing time. It is going to hinder the rest of them of going out and, acting in this manner. It's like, why am I going to come to you being aggressive and assume that you are a threat when you're just a human being and actually approach you with respect? And I have my gun pointed in your face. Because if you have your gun pointed in my face and you already got your hand on the trigger, you ready to pull that. But go, I could sneeze and you pull that. Because you're just so ready. Your mentality is ready. Like Officer Yana is here. So to me, we have to, re- we have to change how the laws are created. And that is a really big part of it. And I think it would be nice if our politicians took part in, that, and part in it and actually did something in terms of reforming the laws. And actually, attorneys who are within that sector took playing a part in it. I think on another level, and I mentioned this before, we need to have officers who are from the communities. I don't know where Officer Yanis is. I don't know. I know he's Hispanic. So some people eyes are black. So I don't even understand how you pulling triggers. So to me, people make the assumption because it's maybe a black and black crime or another person kill another black, another person kill another, another person of color killing another person of color, that there's no form of white supremacy in that. Yes, it is. It plays a huge part in that. So that's something that we need to discuss. You know what I'm saying? Like you Hispanic, you a person of color and you done killed and shot this dude, which to me changed the narrative a little bit, make it a little interesting because if he was a white police officer, would he have been kicked off the force? Because some of them, they get a little term, they get their little short-term vacation or whatever they call it, and they get compensated for that, and then they get put back on the force. They do allegedly desk duty, and come to find out some of them get paid more a lot doing desk duty in overtime. So to me, if he was a white officer, would he have been removed off the force? So that's a whole other situation that's at play. You thinking over there, so what you about to say? Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> your mind is like, if y'all can see Pierre's face, it's everything. No, no, I think that's kind of crazy that you brought that point up that he was a, a Latin officer and he got fired. 
And I, I obviously I don't have any of that information in front of me, like who the officers were in a lot of these shootings that have gone yeah. on in the past years and what happened to them after the fact. But that's something kind of interesting that I kind of want to just for my own edification go back and see see what's the deal with that. Damn, you got the you got the little hamster spinning in my head right now. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, it's just some thought and just to put it out there, but. To end off and to tie it up, it's just, I really hope that changes are going to be made in the future in terms of these situations. I heard after the verdict, there were huge protests um, in Minnesota and stuff like that. So I really hope that changes are going to be happening. It's going to be made. I'm all for good protests, but we need to, things need to happen besides, because it's going to be another incident after another incident, another verdict after another verdict, and we're still going to be having these conversations. Mothers and fathers are going to be crying over they, they lost sons and daughters, we need to make reforms and put them into play. I don't trust Trump doing that. So we need somebody on the on a level on the ground floor, these politicians who actually still care about us to do it. Because it has to be made. Because like she said in her clip, they're gonna kill all of us. When you think about it. Yeah. So moving moving on. On June thirteenth, Kamala Harris, Democrat from California, was questioning Jeff Sessions the attorney general during a hearing in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee. She questioned him during this high profile hearing regarding the Russians interference in our elections in 2016. It was, and I quote, <laughs> a shit show, <laughs> but in a good way. Yeah. In a good way. It, it was, it was very entertaining. He was nervous as hell. Yeah, to be honest, he was he was on edge. He was I respect it. He was fighting back. Whether or not he was telling the truth or not, he was ready. He was like just sprawling with them just yeah, I don't know what clip you seen, but he was shaky in his voice and he was stuttering a whole lot. Looked like he was confused with life. I don't even think he knew who he was. <laughs> like I was like, sir, she had him but I just wanna first and foremost, I just wanna give a shout out to Kamala Harris. You did it for the culture, honey. And I heard she part Jamaican, so shout out to you even more, honey. Wagwan, baby. <laughs> Please, don't stop. Please, don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't. I like people imitate pot, so you got to be real with it. You got to be real with it. But... Well, I thought I thought that sounded good. Um, That's up for debate. You a hater. No shade, though. I'm just keeping it 100. You a hater. Um, But when you watch the clip, she did have him shook. Um, She was really... The thing is, when as you watch the clip, she has a very interesting approach in terms of questioning. She does like rapid fire questioning um, pace, which is more commonly used in courtrooms. I'm not sure if he could have kept up with her speed because he seemed a little delayed with life. Um, but he was very nervous. And he said it at one point, I guess the, the speed or the pace of the questioning and her approaching him with those questions kind of made him nervous, which is very interesting. Quote unquote, uh, angry black woman. <laughs> Quote unquote, don't play with me. <laughs> Angry black woman, nah, I don't think so. Oh, no, I'm just saying that's kind of what it seemed like he was... Probably his perception. Basically, the undertone of it was. It could be wrong, but... Well, actually, she... when we're on the topic of undertones, as during the hearing, she was cut off several times by Senator Richard Burr, who's a Republican in North Carolina, and Senator John McCain, who's a Republican in Arizona. Who could forget Mr. John McCain? Um, so she was cut off by these men a couple times throughout the hearing. And also when she, during the hearing for um, Rod Rosenstein, they cut her off as well. And 
being that you touch upon the undertones, people were saying, especially on Twitter, you know, Twitter be lit, <laughs> was like, there was like sexist and racist undertones with the fact that she was being cut off and I guess they didn't like the way she was questioning him. What do you think? Um, I already know what you're going to say. <laughs> In my opinion, I saw the clips. I don't think there was any racist undertones with them cutting, cutting her off. And I don't really watch these intelligence committee hearings regularly to know just like what's the etiquette during these hearings. Yeah. So I'd have to actually go back and watch some more. But with that being said, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some like not racism, but sexism. Like, oh, she's a woman. Like, I feel like she's being too aggressive with the with the her approach. No questioning. What? Yeah, with her approach with the person on trial, so they may have just said, "Okay, relax. You need to just take it down a notch." But I don't know if they would have done that to a male speaker. Well, speaking of, they actually did not do that to a male speaker, and I'm glad you touched on that. Look at you thinking ahead. Um, Senator Ron Wyden, he Democrat of Oregon, he tweeted, "She was interrupted for asking tough questions. I was not interrupted." So implying he was asking tough questions. He was asking tough questions and he was not interrupted. So there can be sexism at play. I think racism kind of ties into it. She's one of the few, what, black women up there that's actually taking part in the hearing and questioning him. And also I think why people said that there was racist undertones too is because Jeff Sessions is known to be a racist to some aspects. So I guess that he wasn't expecting her to come at him the way she did being a woman of color primarily a black woman. Like, as you say, he probably fed into the angry black woman stereotype. And, but she was actually just doing her job, and I think she probably did better than half, if not more than all of them on there, who was questioning him. Because she was trying to get answers out of him. And as you see how he was answering the questions, he wasn't really answering the questions. He was going around it. Like, he didn't know about no policy. Like, what you here for? You're the attorney general. You're Why are you here? You're the highest lawmaker. What is the purpose? Like, I don't get... How you not know about these policies and you know you was going to be asked these questions? Like, why are you acting brand new? So, to me, I can see where the um that argument is being drawn about sexist undertones and racism. And I, to some extent, I do believe it. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, she's a black woman in power. Like, and then at the same time, the way they went about cutting her off. Like, as she asking the question, they cutting her off. She can't even fully ask her question. And she's going to tell... They're going to tell her he needs to answer it. How about you let me finish asking my question and then he can answer it? And how about you let me do my job? I didn't see John McCain getting cut off, especially during the Comey hearing when he was asking some outlandish, random-ass question. Everybody was tweeting like, what is he asking him? What is the question? Is it a statement? Is it three questions in one? Did he forget where he was at? What is your favorite flavor of ice cream, sir? <laughs> like, bro. Have you and Mr. Trump ever shared ice cream of the sort? <laughs> like, his que- your questions sound better than his question. He didn't even know what he was asking. But also, um, Ms. Harris tweeted, the woman of the United States Senate will not be silenced when seeking the truth. And I respect her for that. And I hope that she continues the great work that she's doing. Yeah, that was... that. I don't know. Again, we, we're, we're on two different sides of the aisle. No pun, oh, yeah? no pun intended there. <laughs> I get, and on the part about the racism, and again, it, I could be completely wrong. There, that's fine. There could have been racism under and it. And I could be completely right. So that's that's always a good thing. Probably Continue. not, though, but whatever. <laughs> but yeah, um, at the end of the day, I do feel like 
it was kind of salty the way she got cut she off. Did. Yeah. And then I'm big on body language. So as I was watching the um the hearing and watching the clips, when 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 she was getting cut off, he was really like smiling. Like he was like, Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> and it felt like it felt like he, he knew that they were just kinda like taken advantage by just cutting her off and like saying, Hey, let him answer the question. Then he kinda had that smirk on like gotcha. And then also, too, I think because the people who cut off are Republicans. Mm-hmm. So that kind of worked in his favor more so than hers. So that could be another um, part of it, too, being a part of two political parties. Yeah. And playing a part in that. And we so, got you, bud. <laughs> so we're going to wrap up. Um, we're going to talk briefly about, <clears throat> candidly, about our podcast and why we kind of put it into play. We've heard from our viewers, and we do appreciate all the criticism, good, positive, are in between we're open to it all and one of our um viewers did say that a lot of our conversations or topics are pretty serious and um we try to be lighthearted with it in a sense um and i just want to be clear when we created this podcast we wanted it to have something of substance i'm not knocking any podcasts out there I give respect to everyone who's starting their own podcast it's a lot of work especially when you're in a business partnership um but we Speak for yourself. I, I want to have this podcast about all of Tyrese's tweets. <laughs> yeah, no, that ain't happening. Nah. It won't last too long. <laughs> no shade. Just keep it at 100. But we wanted to create it in a sense of it just having substance in what we talk about. And also things that we felt like affected millennials in some aspects in terms of what's going on in politics. And these things matter to Pierre and I. And, you know, it's... It's not something we want to put under the rug. We want to address it, and we try to be lighthearted in the context of the conversation and bring more of our personality into it. But we do try to switch it up every now and then. I don't want people to think all we talk about is everything serious. We like, you know, that's not the case. But these issues are happening, and they matter. And I would rather be a podcast that has substance, and we stand for something, as one of our titles of our episode, than to be a podcast that don't really talk about anything important. It's just frivolous conversation. Yeah, there's definitely a, enough frivolous and just, what's the word I'm looking for? Superficial conversation that people have on a day-to-day basis. And at, one of the quotes I hate, like I hate when people say is like, let's not talk politics. I just feel like that's one of the dumbest things. So we could talk about, everything else in the world but when you're talking about things that are affecting people's lives and just it just seems stupid to me like why can't you talk about politics yeah i don't know i just think that's something important to talk about and again like i'm always for being able to reach across the aisle and just even if you disagree with someone and what they're speaking about being able to just try to listen to what they're saying objectively and not add any add anything to it just listen see where they're coming from whether you agree or disagree you can't expect people to ever agree with you or listen to what you have to say if you can't do that yourself so i'm always the type of person if i want love i'm going to be a loving person if i want if i want happiness in my world i'm gonna just i have to be happy and if i want people to listen to me i have to listen first it's like you have two ears and one mouth, so you should listen twice as much as you're speaking, and you should always be able to just hear what the opposition has to say. So, I hate that saying, 
let's not talk very, politics. Very valid, and you know we're in our second season, so we are growing, and our topics and conversations are changing about every episode or so. But we just want you to stay with us on this journey, and please do keep in mind we do try to switch it up every now and then. But we do want to talk about things that matter, and these issues that we have addressed does matter to us on many different levels and magnitude. And I don't know how much of a great podcast we would be if we did not discuss those issues. In my eyes, we're great. Um, so we do appreciate the support. We appreciate the criticism. But we did want to mention why we talk about these topics and why they matter dear, near and dear to us. And just follow us on this journey. And another thing before we end out, it's Pierre's birthday. Happy birthday, Pierre. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate that. It, it's been a, a great birthday celebration weekend. Had some friends over. We barbecued. Yeah, I was here for that. I stopped by, gracing with my presence for a little bit. Mm-hmm. They, they, a lot of people were like shocked. Like, oh my God, it's Key. Oh. <laughs> you, sound, you sound just like you sound on the podcast. You're so extra, I too. So, she came in like a diva, the fur and everything. I did not come. It's too hot. It's summertime. I'm like, Yo, what you doing with that fur on? <laughs> you a mess. Um, but what do you? What is your plans going into this new year? Do you have any goals you want to set? Um, I know you're happy to be alive. I'm, that's a big thing. Yeah, I I made it to 28, which that's a lot of people. You'd be surprised if you make it past 25. Yeah, a lot of people who look like me don't make it past their mid-twenties, so just grateful and thankful for that. And to be honest, what I'm really looking forward to at 28 is just being happy. I just feel like a lot of times as people get older, life starts to happen, they're getting married or having kids or stuck at a job that they kind of didn't real, they didn't see themselves being at at that point or just not being where they want to be yeah. with their life. And I just want to take actions to just be happy with my life and just enjoy where I'm at. and What makes Pierre happy? Because you all over the place. You and your kumbaya-ish. But I'm just saying, what makes you... That's a very broad statement. I think it's great. Uh-huh. Everybody, I want to be happy too, but it lasts for like two minutes and switch up. But um, what makes you happy? So, what makes me happy is traveling. Okay. So I'm about to go to Vegas next week. Oh, we going to Vegas next week? Y'all heard that? All right, cool. Fourth, Fourth of July weekend's going to be lit. Catch me at Wet Republic. So lit. Yeah, definitely. And I've been in the gym. So you so you know. You know what that means. You got some more work to do. I'm shade, I'm keeping it on. Hater. <laughs> Hater. Um, I'm also going to Nigeria um for Labor Day weekend. Wow. So I'm doing that. So I'm gonna be traveling. So I'm excited about that. Um, doing this podcast, just I've always been a shy person growing up. So actually being able to express my opinion. And just talk about things that are important to me, especially topics like this, being a young black male. It it feels good actually sharing that information and just putting my opinion out there. And whether hopefully I'm educating some people or letting some people just see coming from a black male's perspective, what the world may seem like. And just also anything, any gems, any things that have been able to help me in my life, I get to share it with our listeners and I love doing that I love helping people so definitely I'm, I'm taking those little steps I'm just I see take, that. taking it one day at a time though. and I will say um, working with Pierre and also outside of this we're friends first and foremost barely <laughs> <laughs> reach it but um, what I would say is that 
we definitely have grown through this podcast going into this season. He's been much more vocal and been speaking out more about a lot of things. And one thing I like about with Pierre is that I say things and I have a, an aggressive undertone <laughs> in a sense, but he says things in a very subtle, calm voice, but it's like logical, of course. And he says like very profound things, but because his tone is just so chill, it's like, yo, he just, he's just spit some fire right now. You know what I'm saying? But that's one thing I like about him along with everything else. And I really do appreciate us being on this journey together and us working together. Happy birthday. Thank you. I hope you enjoy it. Thank Turn you. up, travel and live life and do whatever makes you happy. Yes, thank you again. I really appreciate it. I love you. Love you too, honey. Once again, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, please follow us on Instagram at underscore unapologetically underscore different. You can reach out to us on Twitter at unapologetic underscore underscore D. That's two underscores. And you can also find us on iTunes by searching unapologetically different. Definitely leave a comment, rate, and review us, and hit that subscribe button so you can get access to the episodes as they come out every week. Lastly, you can send us an email at unapologeticallydifferent at gmail.com. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye.